0: Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today, friend in life, busy this time of the year, none other than the great John Paulson. Paulson, how's it going for this special early episode of the week?
1: I've got my coffee, so I apologize if anybody hears any slurping in the background as I try to wake up and make this uh, draft work for us, this mock draft work for us. It's 830 on the uh, West Coast, and we're bracing for a... uh, Tropical storm. I don't know if you've been in the the, the news. There's one coming up from Baja, Mexico that might uh, hit L.A., uh, San Diego area. So we're about to get some rain this weekend.
0: Well, please be careful out there. In the meantime, we are here for a bonus episode because we know what's happening right now. We see the reads, the views, the clicks, the DMs, the questions going up on Twitter. We see that your drafts are coming up. So it is prudent for us to get back on for the rest of the offseason at least one more time every week. So here we are. And before we jump in, to break down what we believe is the ideal, sets you up perfectly for the first two rounds of your home league draft, reminder, 4 for 4 football subs are only $39 for the entire year. And they will get you ready for NFL.com, CBS Drafts, Yahoo, Sleeper, the list goes on and on, both customizable and projections, and rankings for your site, all for you. So remember, $39, and use the promo code YouTube. That's YouTube for 25% off to get you ready for your draft. All right, Paulson, the only rule we have today as we are going to do a two-round mock, what we believe is ideal and toss around picks and tiers with one another is that we are going to alternate. You will have the 101, 101 and go every other pick, and then I will jump in with even picks.
1: Yes, and I, the only other rule was that it's a PPR draft. And my assumption is one quarterback, two running back, three receiver, or two receiver in a flex where you probably want to have a receiver in your flex and one tight end. So that's, that's the sort of the approach I take uh, with this draft. It is important to know your scoring system. I just want to underline that. It, it does change your strategy uh, in the later rounds especially and even in the early rounds. So just make sure you you pay attention to the scoring uh, in your particular leagues because it does have an impact.
0: Which is why I also use the term customizable rankings and projections because <laughs> yes. we are right there for you for no matter how wacky your scoring may be. But full PPR, and yes, you have the honor of getting us started from the one hundred and one.
1: All right, I'm gonna. I think in this situation, I'm gonna go with the Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's a rock solid option. Uh, he finishes the fantasy wide receiver one last year after a wide receiver five, the finish before. So he's been top five back to back years is the most receiving yards and the most receptions of any receiver in his first three seasons in the league. So I think it's about as safe as you can be with the number one pick, uh, the Vikings defense should be bad. Kevin O'Connell likes to throw the ball. I think he's a rock solid one one What do you think, John?
0: It is crazy to say, given that he was the offensive player of the year, But we have not seen Justin Jefferson's ceiling yet. He caught only two of 14 end zone targets from Kirk Cousins last year, which was the lowest rate of anyone with at least 13 end zone targets. So we think his ceiling can actually get higher. And their defense, although I think Brian Flores, defensive coordinator there, was one of the best and most unheralded hires of the entire offseason, their defense only got worse in losing key veterans. So, yes, I think the passing volume will absolutely be there. And no matter who we lose along the way in terms of target shares moving around with Jordan Addison in the fold, we know, we know we don't lose Justin Jefferson. So if you have one draft, because you and I do lots of industry drafts, charity leagues, high-stakes leagues, and so mixing it up for the 101 in that particular form those formats it's okay because we want exposure but if you have one draft your life was on the line it has to be Justin Jefferson
1: yeah rock solid 101
0: so I'm curious about who you believe can be the 102 because I think there's a clear grouping a tier and that is between and home leagues for me Christian McCaffrey Jamar Chase Cooper Cup Tyreek Hill and maybe, maybe Travis Kelsey, although I I don't think personally outside of tight end premium, I don't have him in these top five picks.
1: Well, I would add Austin Eckler to that list. He's my number one running back, slightly ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey's uh, splits with Elijah Mitchell worry me a little bit, but Elijah Mitchell has a tendency to get dinged up in this game. So maybe that's not too much of a concern, but uh, I would add him to that group. So who are you going to take?
0: I will go ahead and I will take Cooper Cup for me personally, my 102. Everyone mentions, do I think Cooper Cup can outscore Jamar Chase? And my answer is always, do you think Jamar Chase can outscore Cooper Cup? Because Cooper Cup already outscored Jamar Chase last year. And the eight full games he played with Matthew Stafford, 20.3 fantasy points per game, which led Justin Jefferson as well as the wide receiver one and per week points. Also led the entire league in target share, 33.5% in those eight games from Stafford. So I still think for recency bias, Cup is getting knocked down in so many drafts to like the 108, 109. So I'm not saying he's going to go here in your league, but I am saying if he falls to 107 to 109, it is the best steal and best value of your draft.
1: Yes, yeah, so when he went out, he played eight full games. At the time of his ankle injury, he had the second most fantasy points to Tyreek Hill, but also had the top per game average. Uh, so that's a good pick. I like that pick.
0: But tiers is what we're talking about. Like you mentioned Austin Eckler. I mentioned Christopher Caffrey. And then also, of course, throwing Jamar Chase and Tyreek Hill. We're talking about tiers. So from that point, you can use the rankings, but it also comes down to your personal preferences. We are fine with all of those picks.
1: Yeah, and I think for the third pick here, I am going to go ahead and take my number one running back. I'm going to take Austin Eckler. Uh, Had a terrific year last year. He kind of got over his contract issues early in the offseason. This is going to be a rock-solid, potent offense now with uh, Kellen Moore. And we've got a good quarterback. We've got good receivers. There's lots of options, but he's going to see a ton of catches. Uh, Should score a lot of touchdowns again. And I just feel a little bit better about his... Uh, floor than I do Christian McCaffrey's given the the, the kind of nasty splits with uh, Elijah Mitchell uh, in the in the fold. I think they do want to keep Mitchell uh, rolling, and I think they do like to give him eight to ten carries a game, and that does eat into Christian McCaffrey's uh, upside.
0: There are some reasons for concern. I've heard it throughout the offseason, but I think they're a little overblown. Like Christian McCaffrey still led all running backs and target share uh, in those games with Elijah Mitchell that he played over the second half of the season, not just 49ers running back. So I don't worry about it too much. Uh, I also wonder if there may be some lightning of the load for Austin Eckler in what is clearly the final year of his contract with the Chargers, a new OC, but both rock-solid picks. Again, we're just nitpicking. Uh, I personally have McCaffrey as the my RB1. At the same time, though, Paulson, if this comes back to me at the 104 and there's a running back taken already, I think this is where I go Jamar Chase. Completely fine with it here. And again, I have him in the same tier as Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill. For me, running backs in the first five, six picks are only slightly complicated because – I feel like, especially in home leagues, you can get your anchor RB, your first RB, in the second round, someone that we love, like a Derrick Henry, like a uh, Tony Pollard, I still think will be there at the mid-second in home league. So that's the the gamble I like to make personally in those first six picks.
1: All right. So with Chase off the board, that's going to leave me with a decision probably between McCaffrey uh, Nick Chubb and Travis Kelsey. Maybe I'm a boomer because I like these running backs and tight ends here. I'm slightly worried about the Tyreek Hill off-the-field marina incident in terms of maybe costing him a couple games of suspension. So he's not in this conversation for me. So it's McCaffrey, Chubb, who I love, and uh, Kelsey. So I'm gonna go McCaffrey here. I think you know getting him at five is a nice deal for the reasons you mentioned. I do I do still favor. Eckler over him. But I think at this with this board, I think McCaffrey is a, a rock solid anchor pick. I think we can get a good receiver here in the second round as well, or perhaps a tight end to still do that uh, anchor RB, uh, hero RB build.
0: Um, I now am going to go ahead and go down and pick Tyreek Hill. Again, I think the first four receivers are all elite based on what they did last year. Tyreek Hill, was significantly better on an island in the clear wide receiver one to Jalen Waddle. 32.5% target share when he played with Tua compared to Waddle's 22.5%. It wasn't close. And his league high in yards per out run actually increased to 3.41 whenever Tua was on the field as well. So Tyreek Kill has more meat on the bone and can get better in this offense too, his second year in it. So I still like Tyreek Hill. Nick Chubb, I would expect to fall to 108, 110. I'm not saying 106 is a reach, But I still prefer to get uh, one of the elite receivers here rather than piecing it together with wide receiver twos like Alave, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and T. Higgins, those guys who are usually taken on the comeback.
1: All right, so I mentioned the possibility of suspension. There hasn't been a lot of talk about it. So I'm wondering if you are just like, I don't care if he does get suspended a couple games, I still want him here, or you just don't think that the suspension will happen?
0: I don't think the suspension will happen. Whereas we are clearly waiting out Joe Mixon and we already have the Camara news. I don't think the suspension happens for Tyreek Hill. All right. We so also have
1: the...
0: we've also seen an ADP that we are always so bad at handling ADP when players get suspended, even for Camara, uh that first month of games that he's out for, it just doesn't matter. Cause ultimately we're still drafting beyond those spots. Uh, that's like suggesting that we can't pad for a two, t- for a two game suspension for Tyreek Hill. When we know we're going to draft six wide receivers at least. So I still well, like I think, Tyreek Hill.
1: Yeah. I think Tyreek has wide receiver one upside. So this is not a yep. bad spot to get him as the fourth receiver off the board. I think you're getting a little bit of a discount perhaps because of that. And this is the tier for me. This
0: is the break. I yes. got my guys. I love someone a lot as my next receiver but this is the break i like getting those four guys in in the first round
1: all right i'm gonna go ahead with the seventh pick in the first round here and i think it's time to lock up that tight end advantage that uh, travis kelsey uh gives us uh longtime followers uh readers know that i'm a big advocate of the early tight end strategy i think the Uh, having a stud tight end is just such a no-brainer, especially in leagues where it's not best ball and you can't just kind of get a committee of three or four and hope that one of them goes off. Um, But you actually are plugging a player into your lineup every week and having Travis Kelsey at that tight end position is like having a great wide receiver one at that uh, tight end position. So I love that. I love locking up that advantage here in the middle of the first round. Which of these
0: players that we have already taken to this point would you select Travis Kelsey over for anyone listening from the first six picks?
1: I think in regular PPR formats, I mean, it's a little different, obviously, when you get into the uh, uh, tight end premium over at FFPC, but I think in this scenario, I probably would have taken him over Hill, uh, and I probably would take him over Chase. Uh, And and probably maybe, you know, I don't know about these running backs. So he's up there uh, in terms of of where to, I I think I I would go Eckler McCaffrey over Kelsey but I think I would take Kelsey over Chase and Hill.
0: My my only concern for Travis Kelsey, and we keep screaming regression aging from the rooftops, and it doesn't matter because he's so good, which is why I never push back on him. I've taken him one hundred and one in some tight end premium leagues because, again, it's always nice to have that safety valve of Travis Kelsey. Then you can be done with the position, especially in redraft one tight end leagues. You just draft him, and you literally don't draft a backup. It doesn't matter because no one would ever start over him. But – he was one of only nine tight ends since 2008 to average over 15 points per game. So it was such an anomaly season that I am concerned that all it takes is the next tier of tight ends, Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller, T.G. Hawkins, and George Kittle, whoever else anyone has up there. All it takes is Kelsey falling back and the next tier of tight ends staying the same. And suddenly, Kelsey doesn't give you the edge anymore. That's my only big picture outlook here. So I'm, I'm a little bit tepid on Kelsey.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting season. We did see a little bit of signs of fall off the previous year that we were a little concerned about, perhaps, uh, you know, his yards, you know, per catch, that type of stuff. But with Tyreek Hill gone, his targets, uh, his red zone targets, went way up, uh, just as the primary option in pretty much every play. And now they lost Juju Smith Schuster, uh, an experienced receiver. The, the, the receiving core is even dicier than it was heading into last year so it just seems like his role is secure i think the one concern is is the age and perhaps fall off but he hasn't shown it yet
0: and again i think we both agree these first seven picks are interchangeable correct
1: yeah i think so
0: (laughs) that that that's the best agreement i can get out of you i think you personally if you left one out it would probably be tyree kill right for the yeah.
1: Oh, you're you're saying would I take these same seven players? Yeah, I think pretty close. I mean, yeah. I you know not in order, that, but would
0: you take not, these same right. seven guys?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the Tyree Kill's situation is a little bit dicey to me. I think that there's a, a, a greater than maybe fifteen, twenty percent chance that he's going to miss a couple games due to that Marina incident. I, especially a player with with you know long history of of issues off the field, and you know I I just I, I worry. I'm a warrior, so I worry about stuff like that with my first round picks.
0: Uh, parents are usually worriers. Maybe that's why I just have a black heart still right now. Um, for 108, we've talked about them already. This is where Nick Chubb definitely comes off the board. It is not too early. We have never seen Nick Chubb have a double digit target share in any season in the league, but we have no more Kareem Hunt, and we have this offense that, as I mentioned in the last show with Roto Pat, are sleepers if you want to go back and check it out. Deshaun Watson and the Browns, three wide sets, increased to 76. Percent top 10 in the NFL whenever Deshaun Watson gonna, got under center for that last month and a half. And that's important because not only did Nick Chubb average seven yards per carry from three wide sets last year, because we get to spread the field for him, but also if we're passing more, we do think he's still going to get volume with no Hunt in the mix. So we like Nick Chubb for a ceiling season this year.
1: Yeah, I love Nick Chubb. Uh, since 2019, he's seen 20.1 touches in the games without Kareem Hunt in the lineup. Uh, Jerome Ford is the backup there now, and I think he will have some role, but it won't be as big as Hunt's. Uh, this has led to a bump in fantasy scoring, of course. And uh, yeah, we just took... Uh, Connor Allen and I are doing a main event slow draft, and we just took uh, Chubb in the first round at 110, so we got a little bit of a deal on him, I think.
0: We... That draft actually is funny because in the draft I'm doing with Connor and Ryan Noonan, we went AJB 110, and then Chubb came back. So it's like we have the same players; it just went in different spots.
1: Yeah, we flipped and uh, Yeah, I think we uh, Connor and I, I talked. I don't know if I ca- talked him into Chubb, but that was the guy we really agreed on at 110, and then we were we almost we almost had Bijan in the in the second round, but uh, he went 202. Speaking of Bijan,
0: here's where it becomes interesting because everyone is going to show up, Paulson, and just and ask. How is B. John Robinson a first-round player or why? So now we get into his range where we think he could be going, but he doesn't necessarily have to. So your thoughts on one Oh nine.
1: Yeah. One Oh nine is my pick. So I, I, I think at this point, you know, the, the Arthur Smith comments from the other day were pretty funny about how, he, you know, if, if Tyler Algier is rolling, why we're going to keep feeding him. And I just was like, Oh boy, this is, this is trouble. Uh, what, what is this you know it, it's it's a fair statement for him to say but at the same time it's like you know you you drafted Bijan for a reason i think he will see the vast majority of the touches i think in this situation though there are if i'm sitting here in the nine spot i think are gonna be there's gonna be a running back that i like almost as much if not as much as Bijan coming back whereas maybe there's a little bit of a drop off at receiver so i'm gonna go cd lamb here uh i think he he was he was a top five receiver last year. Not much has changed uh, in Dallas. I got into a little uh, debate with with Connor about CD Lamb as we were debating him or AJ Brown, but uh, I would I would go with Lamb um, and just right now. And I think you look at the the Dallas offense and you know people are worried about uh, Mike McCarthy going super run heavy, but they were pretty run heavy last year. I don't think there's a whole lot more run heavy they can go. Uh, it is a bit of a concern uh, from a passing standpoint, but I think the addition of Brandon Cooks is probably helps more than it, it hurts. Uh, having another bona fide uh, receiver there, I don't think he's going to see a ton of targets, Cooks, but defenses are going to have to account for him. And Lamb is one of the best route runners in the league that's been proven time and time again by Matt Harmon's work over at Reception Perception. So he's just one of these young ascending uh, receivers with a good quarterback that I like to, to draft in the late first round.
0: My only pushback for Lamb is that I can see A.J. Brown's and Amon Ross St. Brown's situations getting better, whereas C.D. Lamb, I think we have more red flags there. The good news is his target per route run rate was 14th among all wide receivers, 24.6%, with Dalton Schultz on the field last year, compared to 36.6% leap to first among all wide receivers when Schultz was off of it and injured. So we do think the target share is still safe for Cee Lamb, but I do have more questions about Dallas's offense, a lot more than both A.J. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown. So that is my only pushback.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see your point there. there you, know, you look at the Detroit offense, very good last year, very effective. We have a lot of confidence in it, right? Uh, the Philly offense, we have a lot of confidence in it. However, they lost their offensive coordinator, so you wonder if maybe they take a, a slight step back. But, you know, I think you can't go wrong with any of these receivers in this range. And you really can't go wrong with any of these running backs in this range. So, like this, this, this one-two turn, people complain about it, but you could really, really pair two really good players together that have high floors and a lot of. Co- we have a lot of confidence in.
0: Bijan is in fact my next running back ranked, but but I still have the two receivers I mentioned over Bijan. Thus, I'm going to instead go AJ Brown here, who should absolutely be a first round receiver. Um, when I talk about, I want players to exceed their projections. We have not seen the ceiling as crazy as it sounds of the Eagles offense because Jalen Hurts last year, 19 and a half pass attempts per game in the first half compared to just 11.1 pass attempts per game in the last two quarters. And that's because they played the league's easiest schedule and they trailed for the lowest rate of plays in the second half last season because they dominated everyone. Whereas this year, at least they have a median 16th overall schedule for – projections if we're looking at that. So I think if they're in more competitive games, we actually see the lid popped off and Eagles are forced to pass more as opposed to just padding the lead running the ball in the second half.
1: Yeah, I mean I think you're you're right on. I mean uh AJ Brown is a great route runner, uh great offense. He's he's Jalen Hurts's favorite target and if they're you know in more competitive games, deeper into the games, they're going to see more pass attempts and you know the whole pie will Passing pie will grow.
0: You're up at the 111.
1: All right, at the 111 here. Now I'm, I'm looking at the group of players and I'm thinking to myself, how do I pair uh, two players together that I like? And what I want to do here is my the receiver that's on the board, a couple of receivers on the board, but the one that stands out to me is Stefan Diggs. Rock solid option for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, maybe a little bit of a drop off to the next uh, group of receivers. So knowing that I've got a running back option coming back that i like several uh i'm gonna grab Diggs here he's been he's been top five uh you know for several years now ever, ever since he's gone over to the to the bills and he's been a you know rock solid option here at the late first round
0: Diggs yes i have in the same tier as CD lamb AJ brown and my next pick amon Ross Saint Brown so i have the double tap here at 12 and 13. And I honestly think for home leagues, I'm shouting from the rooftops if I'm allowed to double tap Amonra St. Brown and Tony Pollard. Uh, Ross St. Brown, for starters last year, we now have Jameson Williams out the mix at least six games, but he suffered an injury in the preseason. He's had numerous reports on drops and just uh, not putting in the work is what Dan Campbell mentioned. He's now out for the rest of the preseason. We don't know when we'll see him again. So we now have all these other vacated opportunities for Amon Ross St. Brown to dominate. But as I've been mentioning throughout the offseason, the projections are not right. You can't just look at last year and say Amon is going to get targets but can't score touchdowns because if his shoestrings were shorter – he would have scored significantly more touchdowns given that he was tackled inside the five yard line seven times. And that's why Jamal Williams scored the most touchdowns of any player since 2015 from the one yard line. Amon us, St. Brown's target share is no issue whatsoever. And remember, whenever they traded TG Hawkinson, they also said we have no one else. And they gave him seven, they gave him consecutive carries in seven straight games. So, I just think he is the focal point of this offense, and if we get more touchdowns, that's how he becomes a top-five receiver sneakily and outscores the players we drafted before him. So I love AR, ARSB.
1: Yeah, you, you've talked about that uh, touchdown regression uh, stat a few times, and that's a good one. I mean, t- when, you, when you see a player with expected touchdowns and actual touchdowns, a giant difference, they typically are regressing to that mean or what they should have had. And he looks like he's uh, primed for that. Uh, 196 catches, 2,073 yards in his first two seasons. Uh, Jamison Williams suspended, I think, for the first six games, so that you know keeps that door open. He's the centerpiece of that offense. Uh, he had the seventh highest uh, yards per route run, tied with Cooper Cup and Stefan Diggs here, 2.40 uh, last year, wide receiver eight. So uh, he's a really good pick here at the turn.
0: And then Tony Pollard, of course, who should be a first, second-round turn player. Uh, I think a lot of people will go Saquon Barkley, uh, Jonathan Taylor, even in your home league, Derek Henry. But again, when we're talking about the least red flags possible out of all these players, I definitely think it's Tony Pollard, especially with the ghost of Ezekiel Elliott out the way. To already finish as a fringe RB1 and points per game on only 13.7 touches with Ezekiel Elliott, and now all that's behind him is deuce vaughn malik davis and rico dowdle there there should be no issues in tony pollard exceeding his projections for miles so easy first round player for me
1: yeah and i thought he was one of these guys i was hoping would be here at the early second round uh i should have known better uh listening to you talk about pollard this year but you know the fourth highest uh, run grade the ninth highest uh receiving grade amongst running backs at pff at Pro football reference. He led the leagues in yards after contact per attempt, 2.6. He was 15th amongst running backs in rush attempts per broken tackle. Uh, he's really good. He was he was the RB7, and that was with Ezekiel in the, in the lineup. And Ezekiel's gone, and, you know, Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball more apparently. So, you know, sky's the limit for Tony Pollard.
0: Now, stepping back before we go to our next picks, do you think this crop of players that we took in the first round is correct. Or is there anyone that you would personally take out? It looks good. <laughs> like, I think it looks right. And, and whatever particular order, I think it looks right.
1: I think maybe there's a, it's a little run uh, receiver heavy here at the end, but I think it's justifiable because you're looking at, you know, you're, as I mentioned at the, I don't know, it was the nine and the 11 picks is that you have a group of running backs that were now slipping that you can get on the way back. And if you have a, a receiver that you covet or you want to last one of a tier, and you want to grab them because they're not going to be there on the way back, then it makes sense to go ahead and pull the trigger on. Maybe a player you don't like quite as much, but you know you're going to get a running back from that same tier that you want uh, in the early second round. So I think, it's a, I think it's a good top 12.
0: And as you mentioned, yes, receiver heavy, especially with me trying to jam the top four wide receivers there because I've been drafting since February, quite literally, and I know that running backs come back. So I'm not worried, especially because we've only gotten more red flags and sirens from the next tier of running backs. And so we want them at value. We don't want to be the ones to reach on Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, uh, even Derrick Henry. The list goes on. We want them at a good ADP. And so if they fall to us, then that's okay. We can take them.
1: Yeah, and so I, that brings me to my next pick at 2, uh, 2 And I'm sitting here looking at my rankings, and I have Bijan Robinson ahead of Saquon Barkley, but I think I want to flip this and go with Barkley ahead of Bijan. Maybe those comments about Tyler <laughs> year have spooked me a little bit more. And it's also, I think this, this Giants offense should be a little better than this uh, Atlanta offense, uh, touchdown opportunity. Barkley's not going to see as many targets probably as last year, but he's still the centerpiece of that offense. Uh, he seems... Uh, not as disgruntled, uh, you know, signed the one year deal, uh, getting a decent chunk of money this year and is, uh, you know, highly motivated to have a big year again so that he can try to cash in next year.
0: And if someone were to take out a receiver from the last four picks of the first round and say Bijan deserves to be there, I'd be okay with that too. So in this case, at this pick, I'm definitely going Bijan, and I'm feeling good that I got at least ADP value. Since in high stakes leagues, he is treated as the RB two at times over Austin Eckler, which I don't agree with. But we are getting value at least, no matter what I think about Bijan's outlook.
1: Okay, yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, in this draft, he's he's slipping a little. It's probably because we're you know it's two people making the picks, but uh, I, I think when you look at his outlook uh he's a centerpiece of a very run heavy offense you know you worry a little bit about i mean arthur, arthur smith gets has some positives some negatives like he's just he's very kind of set in his ways he doesn't know what to do with Kyle Pitts. but one thing he did last year really well was run the ball and create you know rushing opportunities and then now he's drafted this generational type back uh so you think that he's they're going to use him both as a, a runner and a passer the the workload should be there and we're starting to get to the the bottom of this tier of running backs here where things start to get a little dicey here.
0: Especially because that tier got shorter since we're now dealing with holdouts and injuries. Um, Also for Bijan, if your league mates look up and say, they're going to play stacked boxes, going to be running into eight men the whole time, remind them the Falcons faced the highest rate of eight-man boxes last year and their running back still led the league in yards per carry. It does not matter because Arthur Smith may hate your fantasy football team. He may hate giving Kyle Pitt shallow targets and Bijan a team high in carries, but he's a damn good play caller. So we're going to get there somehow, no matter what. This is when it becomes interesting, though, because as you mentioned, Paulson, we're getting to the bottom of the tier. This is when you can go a number of different ways.
1: Yeah, and we have, uh, and I will note that this is a good podcast to, to discuss this, a stream to talk, to talk about this, is because the the talent starts to dry up here in the mid to late second at these at the running back and uh, wide receiver positions and he starts to get a little bit dicey towards the end and that's why I think some of these quarterbacks are going uh, in the late second round I just wanted to mention that uh, it's not a bad time to pivot if you're not in love with the, the running back or the receivers that are available at the end of the second early third round but in this situation I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a zero uh, RB start here with C.D. Lamb and pair him with uh, Devonte Adams I think the you know getting him in the in the early second 204 uh, is good value. People are worried about Jimmy Garoppolo, but Devontae will put up uh, stats with anyone. I don't think he's going to uh, have much of a setback here uh, given the, the change at quarterback. Derek Carr wasn't that great last year. Jimmy Garoppolo has a history of being a very productive passer, and I think some of that has to do with the, the 49ers' uh, very quarterback-friendly passing game, but I think uh, Josh McDaniels get the most out of him, uh, and Devontae Adams will be continue to be the centerpiece, uh, target hog of that offense.
0: So when... Derrick Henry gets back to the uh, around the second, third-round turn. That's where I get comfortable with taking him. That's where I think it's a value because there are still red flags. We don't know the Titans' offense to begin with. Not only the league's worst O-line per our own Justin Edwards, but also you look at their first six games before their week seven bye, and it is one that includes the Bengals on the road against the Saints, the Chargers, list goes on, that really adds up to Will Levis being the – Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter plan, and starting after the bye in week eight. So I worry about Derrick Henry's surrounding situation a whole lot. So I'm not willing to pull the trigger here in the middle of the second round. I'm still willing to let him fall. And then I will instead go Garrett Wilson, who, yes, was a middle-of-the-road wide receiver two in points per game from Zach Wilson, but obviously from anyone else but Zach Wilson, he was the wide receiver ten in points per game. I still think he's a value here and should be ranked alongside Devonte Adams. So I will go Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson, starting from the one eight.
1: He's getting a, a sizable quarterback upgrade. Uh, we think, uh, you know, watching the uh, hard knocks, it's interesting to, to see the Jets sort of sort themselves out. It's a little painful to watch Aaron Rodgers, you know, lead and and be happy and, and not be disgruntled all the time and grumpy with his. his his teammates, but uh, there was a little bit of that with the uh, uh, scrimmage uh, against the Panthers where the, the offensive line couldn't protect him uh, for a many series of plays. So uh, I think Gareth Wilson is, is a solid pick, mid-second, last year's Rookie of the Year. You know, you can make a case that Chris Olave was more productive on a per-game per basis, but Wilson getting this uh, quarterback upgrade uh, is, is going to be big. It's going to be big for the entire Jets office, I, offense, I think.
0: Completely agree. Um, maybe if Aaron Rodgers is still the same quarterback as last year, Garrett Wilson doesn't reach his perceived ceiling, but the floor is totally fine since we already saw what Christian Watson could do with Aaron Rodgers.
1: I do think the Rodgers, you know, he stunk stuff is sort of overblown. I think your, his passing grade was good. Uh, it was QB 11 at PFF. A lot of that had to do with the loss of Devante Adams. He was thrown to the youngest receiving core, uh, in the maybe in the league, uh, Ellen Lazard and Cobb, you know, were the two veterans there, but, uh, you know, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs Watson wasn't even healthy for most of the season. So it was really a weapons issue for, for Rogers. And he was still decent. Uh, so I think he does bounce back and with a, with a better set of weapons.
0: That's what they're telling me. That's what everyone's telling me. So, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but you after a Travis Kelsey start from the middle of the draft,
1: yeah, you faked me out there. I thought you were, you were talking about Derrick Henry. I thought you're going to grab him there with Nick Chubb and do the RBRB start. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go Boomer here and, and take Henry and Kelsey with my uh, my old ass lineup here at the was it the what the 107? Uh, I, I wanted to see if this uh, tight end running back start can work. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there is there are other appealing options here. There's three more non quarterbacks that are very appealing, which we'll get into. But I think, or actually, two more no three more so but i think henry you know maybe the uh we we talked about all this uh stuff last year where he was too old or he was going to the titans were going to be bad and and he still put up a great season he's just a, a huge dude uh and going to see the boatload of touches in that offense he's one of two running backs who have averaged over 20 touches per game over the last two seasons along with uh jonathan taylor and uh, he's still running at a very, very high level. I don't see any signs of drop off yet. So it's going to have to—it's going to have to be some kind of injury, freak injury that I that I think will would slow him down. Uh, I'm not too worried about the the offense or the team being bad. I think the Hopkins uh, pick will help. Uh, you know, keeping an eye on, on Traylon Burks' status. Uh, last I saw, he was carted off. Um, but I think I think the Titans will be in in the playoff hunt enough. And if he does get traded, he'll be traded to a good team that that, that wants him. So. I like Henry here.
0: And also, although I mentioned the concerns about Derrick Henry, it is not as prudent as Jonathan Taylor's ongoing situation where he returned from the pup list, but still is not on the field and away from the team. Clearly uh, an angry holdout, holdin, whatever you want to call it, going on there. Josh Jacobs still away from the team. Ramondre Stevenson now with Ezekiel Elliott behind him. And so we're just looking and the options get limited. And so I'm just trying to play it. I'm still searching for ceiling, obviously, but we can do that while also just being safe here. We don't have to dive into the guys we may not even have at all. We genuinely do not know their situation. And that's why also, after a Tyree kill start, I do think the safest option with a ceiling is Chris Olave here. Um, Maybe you could play the Jonathan Taylor card. But again, I am so worried, given everything we're hearing behind the scenes, that I don't think I can go there and I want him to fall.
1: Yeah, and there's some. there were some other red flags with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, just, you know, how, how many rushing touchdowns is he going to have with Anthony Richardson at quarterback? How many receptions is he going to have with Anthony Richardson at quarterback? So there are some, you know, even before this whole thing with the contract and his injury and all this, there were a few red flags that were kind of pushing him into that, uh, you know, upper second round. So with the fact that he's leaving in and out of camp, it doesn't surprise me that he's still on the board.
0: And I have Olave interchangeable with Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, for everyone yelling out there. So whichever one floats your boat, completely fine.
1: Yeah, Olave, f- fantastic player, uh, getting a quarterback upgrade. Uh, you could argue that he was better than Garrett Wilson on a per-game basis. Uh, he's my keep- one of my keepers. I'm excited to have him.
0: You are up next and again. It's already getting dangerous. Minefield is happening right now.
1: Yeah, things are a little, maybe a little dicey. Uh, Henry was my last... Running back in that tier, uh, there is another guy that I think will end up going off the board here before the round is over that I like a lot. Uh, but at this spot, I you know I love Jalen Waddle. Everybody knows it. I, I'm always posting the uh, the the Penguin uh, gifts uh, whenever he scores touchdowns. Uh, he's a fantastic uh, player. I think, and I do think that maybe this is also a function of me being a little bit worried about Tyreek Hill missing a couple games. Maybe Waddle could benefit from that. Uh, but uh, you know this this Miami offense when Tua is playing is is highly efficient. I can definitely support uh, two pass catchers.
0: So we're at the point where yes, Waddle's totally fine. But if I'm playing devil's advocate, uh, my only concern with Waddle and why I haven't been drafting him in the high second round as everyone else has been doing throughout the offseason, it's because of his efficiency last year. And I question whether it can carry over because, 12 times in the Super Bowl era, a wide receiver has averaged 18 yards per catch on at least 70 catches. That's what Waddle did last year. And none of those 12 were able to replicate that efficiency the next year. They averaged four fewer yards per catch and 22 fewer yards per game. So I'm basically siding with history and saying that uber efficiency is definitely going to regress. But again, Waddle, Derrick Henry, they're here by default now because we are concerned about everyone else.
1: I got a question here, John. If Waddle had went instead of Olave, uh, who would you have gone there? I would have taken Olave as the next receiver. And and really the last receiver uh, in that tier for me. Now, Waddle, you brought up a good point. So his targets dropped from 8.8 per game to 6.9 per game last year upon the arrival of Tyree Kill uh, and Mike McDaniel. But his yards per route run spiked from 1.75 to 2.59, which was tied with A.J. Brown for the third highest in the league. So highly, highly efficient. You did uh, underline that but I do think that this offense is really well-designed. I think he's in line for another huge season. Is he going to be the wide receiver seven again? Uh, Probably not, but he's going off the board here, wide receiver 12. So I feel like I'm getting a fair, fair value for a player that's probably going to see a little bit of a downgrade in his efficiency.
0: Do you think Devonta Smith, as I mentioned, is interchangeable with those two?
1: I have him slightly below, but I think it's fair. He's a really good route runner. Um, And I think maybe you're more sold on the more pass attempts for the Eagles than I am at this moment. And maybe it's something I need to dig into a little bit more because I have Devontae's, go ahead.
0: Oh, and I also just like, sorry to cut you off. uh, I also just like when those wide receiver twos can separate and Jalen Waddle never did so an opportunity, whereas Devontae Smith out-targeted A.J. Brown in their last nine games together. So it's like, oh, we have two alphas, thus we can get elite standalone value despite him being viewed as a wide receiver two on his own team.
1: Yeah. So where do you, where would you put T Higgins in this group or is he not part of it? He's only popped
0: historically whenever Jamar chase was injured. Um, that's my only concern. So I actually, I think T Higgins, I would let him fall to the third round.
1: He's not a huge PPR guy either. He's better in half PPR. He's a
0: splash play guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. I think I think uh, maybe um, Devonta is just a little bit below this group for me, but you have Devonta in this tier with Olave, Wilson, and Waddle. Is that fair to say?
0: Yes, but default okay. ADP, I know, has Devonta as a beginning of the third round guy, so you may not even be forced to take him here, and that depends, of course, on the interface you're drafting on.
1: So who are you going to take here with uh, pick?
0: Oh, it is nine. my pick. All right, well, I guess, I I mean, I've talked up Devonta Smith so much, I think I'm going to go ahead and go that direction. Joe Mixon did avoid a suspension, or not yet. We still have to get the NFL's ruling, but he did at least get ruled in court not guilty, so we don't think he's going to get suspension. And that's really all that was holding up him being in this range. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, we talked about this on the last show as well, if everyone wants to head back with Roto Pat, that Ezekiel Elliott, yes, of course, is detrimental in short yardage and goal line situations, but we still expect Ramondre to be an RB2 or a low-end RB1 based on the passing volume. And so I, I don't mind him here either, but I also know he's going to fall. And so I still prefer Devonta over Jonathan Taylor. That's the question I'm asking myself.
1: Yeah, I think if you have Devonta in this tier, then it makes a lot of sense for him to be going late second. And he is, we know he's talented, and he is playing one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, I think it's a very fair pick there. and You're going uh, wide receiver, wide receiver start there as well, just like my uh, 109 team.
0: Which means if you are at 104 and you go wide receiver, wide receiver, because it shakes out like that, that's when you really start looking at and buying the dip on Ramondre if he comes back. Uh, That's when you say, I can anchor RB and not worry about the dust of Ezekiel Elliott. We need to make something happen here.
1: Yeah, and there might be another running back, which we'll talk about, available there at 304. That is very appealing. All right, so it's my pick here with uh, Austin, the Austin Eckler team at 103. I think this is when I am looking at uh, ADPs of different players that i like, and I'm probably pulling a trigger on one of these top three uh, quarterbacks, and I have uh, Jalen Hurts first. So I'm going to go Jalen Hurts at uh, 210 here with Austin Eckler.
0: Jalen Hurts is my QB1 for all the reasons mentioned. Um, also recency bias because the playoffs and the, the tush push, he, it is now perceived that like he gets all the goal line work, but even like the tush push, he only, he scored four of his 15 rushing touchdowns in the regular season on the tush push. And those four touchdowns came in the same two games. Um, it wasn't actually really used in the regular season. He's still capable of long runs and scoring in multiple ways. So yes, given all the red flags we've talked about, this is where I think it's perfectly fine to branch off and even go Mark Andrews. Uh, or Jalen Hurts, just to get positionally different.
1: I agree. Uh, Mark Mark Andrews was another player that I was looking at there. His ADP is in the mid-third, early third round, Uh, so gambling that I could get him on the way back.
0: It gets really interesting here, and I see you in the chat, Mr. Triss, asking about Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think Josh Jacobs is the safer one, given that it's just a holdout. And as we've seen, and yes, I agree with your face, Paulson, uh, I'm all in that Jacobs is doing this for the good of the land, that he's the one willing to uh, get nailed to everything. So yes, I I think he is hardstead in his stance to stay away and hold out. But we've we've seen everyone collapse. Jonathan Taylor, report back, even though he walked back away. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, report back. You just can't do it. Like the, the money is not in your favor. So I think we are in the range of Jonathan Taylor. I think we're in the range of Josh Jacobs, but I still think I will go Mark Andrews instead to begin. Are you hoping to get him at 1-1? That makes me feel better, actually.
1: I was going to snipe myself. My 101 team was going to snipe my 103 team to leave it on a comedic note, but you sniped me, my 101 team.
0: So I already talked about. Travis Kelsey potentially regressing given that he had an outlier season. And if that were to happen, in my opinion, the only tight end that can topple him in points per game is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was even the tight end two in points per game, 11.3, and the 11 starts he made with Lamar Jackson last year. So we just need Kelsey to come back and be normal, not be a unicorn. And Andrews to be the same, and he's right there neck and neck, and he's giving you the same positional advantage that Kelsey does but you get one of them at the end of the second round and the other one you have to grab in the early first. So I do love getting a piece of the Todd Munkin offense at the end of the second round.
1: Yeah, I think we're expecting a much different offense this year with the Ravens, uh, going from a run heavy to perhaps pass heavy or at least more balanced offense. And if you're going to have a lot more pass attempts uh, in that offense, then the number one target is going to really benefit, and that's Mark Andrews. I think he's a great pick here. I was hoping to get... I think he's a no-brainer for me in the middle of the third, early third round uh, in normal PPR formats. Certainly, he's going a little bit earlier in tight end premium, uh, but just love to have that uh, tight end advantage over you know 10 of the other 12 teams in the league. Or 11 teams in the league.
0: It entails risk, but a team like 104 that did start Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith, they're going to be okay with risk because they now look at the next tier running backs and say, I have to take on a Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs or Mandre Stevenson, Jameer Gibbs, even uh, they have to take on one of these players in the comeback since they don't have a running back yet. So I think that's also why a reason 104, 106 can double tap wide receiver because they know they're going to get one of these falling ADPs and then hope those players show up for week one.
1: Yeah. They have to be comfortable with that though. Like, Absolutely. are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with Taylor? Are you comfortable with, uh, Jacobs, or are you comfortable waiting even longer on uh, the running back position and taking some of these guys going in the quote-unquote running back dead zone? Uh, and Aaron Jones, and uh, Alexander Madison, uh, Miles Sanders, et cetera, Cam Akers. Are you are you comfortable with those guys as your top two? Because you could pass on uh, running back again here in the third round because there are some appealing receivers are still on the board and quarterbacks. All right, so my uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna get the double tap because this is what I would do at the turn. I know it's 25 picks. But I'm going to draft uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, at the 212, and then I would take uh, Jameer Gibbs as my number one running back for that 101 team. So that that team's starting off with Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes, and Jameer Gibbs. I think Gibbs is the safest of all the running backs on the board, uh, given his draft capital, that uh, exciting Detroit offense, and uh, his ability to catch the ball. This is full PPR league, by the way, so Gibbs is basically a receiver playing the running back position. Uh, he's he's got a lot of upside. So he's the one guy, one running back here that I'm really, that's still on the board that I'm really excited about drafting and being able to pick, to nab him here along with, you know, the consensus number two, consensus number one quarterback in the league. Uh, Fantasy-wise, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think this is a good double tap here with Justin Jefferson.
0: Going to 103 because people will have a chance to start RB, whether it's Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey. And then if the receivers fall as they do in your home league, Picking off Mark Andrews or Jalen Hurts, at the end of the day, you still need, or you think you need, a wide receiver with your next pick. And so, who would be that next group of receivers you're looking at at the 103?
1: I think it'd be, uh, you're, I think it'd be Calvin Ridley, uh, and you're, you're kind of rolling the dice. So that's a little bit of a roll of the dice, just like the Josh Jacobs would be or the Jonathan Taylor would be, due to the contract situations. But Ridley, you're you're rolling the dice that he's back to his 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 play before the the suspension and before the him walking away from football for mental health reasons. Uh, but reportedly everything looks great in camp it's, there's no struggles whatsoever. He's getting a nice quarterback upgrade with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Doug Peterson knows what to do with an offense. So I think I, if I were, if I were Austin Eckler uh, Jalen hurts team, I'd be I beat Ian Ridley there at three Oh three.
0: We've talked about buying the dip on these running backs you may not be comfortable with, but still taking it on if you go wide receiver, wide receiver to start, the JT, Jacobs, Stevenson, Mixon tier. Uh is there anyone you feel like we missed or someone can be comfortable shoving at to the end of the second round instead of Waddle, Devonta, Jalen Hurts, Mark Andrews, Matt, Patrick Mahomes?
1: Yeah, I mean I think you can make a case for Josh Allen. Uh but he's my oh, yeah, number number 3 quarterback due to the perceived lack of uh, or re- reduction in rushing. Uh you know, maybe they don't run him around the goal line as much and try to limit his hits and that's going to we love the running quarterbacks and we love Josh Allen for that reason, but if he goes from whatever 70, 700 yards rushing down to 500 or 400, that's going to, you know, hit his his fantasy ceiling. Uh but you can make a case for him at the end of the uh second round. I think I would say that's about it for me. Like you these running backs that are here have some warts. Uh you know, I like Gibbs, but you know, Jonathan Taylor, we don't know what's going on with the contract. Remonde Stevenson, I I still like him. I'm not too worried about Ezekiel Elliott but he does feel like a third-round player to me now. Uh Joe Mixon, same thing, uh low efficiency runner but high volume. Uh and then, you know, my rankings show up and you get Aaron Jones valued in the third round, which you can get him in the fourth. So you start to start to look at other positions, and maybe you take a Keenan Allen, a Calvin Ridley, one of these other receivers, a T. Higgins, and then you can maybe get uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, just pass on these question mark running backs to get a solid Aaron Jones in the fourth round. And then when it comes back to you
0: in the back of the third round to give those drafters some love, that's when we start looking at receivers that you and I are still very comfortable with: the Terry McLaurin's, Keenan Allen's, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, uh, Omari Cooper, completely fine, Christian Watson. Drake London, completely fine with those guys at the end of the third and coming back into the fourth.
1: Yeah, and I might even start considering a Lamar Jackson there, uh, end of third. I mean, I, I, I'm not crazy about those receivers, but you could feel comfortable with them as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Uh, and then I would also start to think about T.J. Hawkinson at that three-four turn as a uh, you know another tight end that has a chance to finish as the tight end uh, one. I think he has if. If Kelsey were to fall off and Andrews were to get injured or something, I think Hawkinson would be next in line there as the third tight end off the board. 8.6 targets per game uh, joining this uh, Vikings offense last year. I think he's got a lot of upside as well.
0: I will not push back on any of the top four quarterbacks that we mentioned for sure. But beyond that... Especially in a one-quarterback league, I think that's where I start waiting uh, because even like as much as good as Joe Burrow is, like he's not going to replicate a career high five rushing touchdowns and career high three point one rushing points per game. Like that's not the quarterback he is. And as we saw with Justin Herbert, who I love, I do love Justin Herbert. And honestly, round six or seven, if he falls there, completely fine. Getting back on board. But we also saw last year he didn't win your leagues. He wasn't a ceiling player because it's just so damn hard to do so when you only operate singular, when you only do something through the air and not with your legs. So I look at those four that are multifaceted, and then I start backing off and only trying to take values until we get to your values at one quarterback, both of ours, and that's either Daniel Jones or Geno Smith.
1: In the middle rounds, and you're talking, you know, ninth round I think for both of those players uh I think if if these quarterbacks getting pushed up and you know Herbert and Lawrence are going off the board really early fifth sixth round and there's that drop off perceived drop off between that quarterback eight and quarterback nine and I have Gino at eight and uh, Daniel Jones at nine and you're able to get them four three four rounds later I think that's a really powerful valuable way to to approach the position you're loading up on all these other running backs and tight ends and, and receivers and then you're adding this player who finished as a low-end or mid-range qb1 uh, in the case of gino he was a mid-range qb1 last year qb6 and in regular leagues he was qb5 over ffpc so you're able to add that player who just got the number one receiver in the draft uh, to your lineup of eight you know running backs tight ends receivers and you're, you're probably going to get low end to mid range QB one numbers out of them. So I think that's just a, a good way to approach it. If you still want to stick with the late round quarterback, it does it is appealing here. And I think this is what why I wanted to mention it is the talent drop off at the end of the second round, early third round at these other positions where you're just not comfortable with a lot of these players. So why not add a top tier quarterback? So I think a lot of the, the quarterback strategy might stem from your draft position uh, in your in your draft because if you're if you're in the early top three picks or so. You're starting to run out of players to take at the end of that second round. It does does come uh, become very appealing to draft up Mahomes or Hurts there.
0: And that, in my opinion, is why it's the perfect two rounds from every slot. Paulson, what else do you have for everyone on the site right now?
1: Uh, I got to write my uh, wide receiver sleepers, breakouts, and values article today. Got to get that up. Got to get it up. But I'm happy to be here for a bonus uh pod with you, John. So uh, make sure that the, all the listeners out there get subscribed to Four for Four. You can. Uh, John, what's your, what's your code for for the 10% off
0: Daigle 10. If you
1: head to
0: 44com slash plans or not, my code is Paulson 10. If you, you, would don't, like need, to you don't need that. to use my
1: code. No, you don't you need can, to use my code. Is there, a, is there a YouTube code? You can also use
0: YouTube. We have lots of codes going around. So if you are on the YouTube channel, like, and subscribe, I see all the numbers watching live. So you better like, and subscribe while you're here and then head to 44.com slash plans and use the promo code YouTube for 25% off significantly. cheap. Deal. I would make it more expensive, significantly cheap because we still have everything rolling in throughout the weekend and ahead of your drafts, customizable rankings, projections, my team previews, your sleeper series, and more importantly, sleepers and rankings for every single interface, no matter where you draft. So until next week, because we'll be back for two more bonus episodes for the rest of the off season. Remember, be a little bit kind of what's quiet. We'll see you next time.